Hello, and welcome back to A Better World. This is your host, Mitchell J. Rabin, and I'm very glad you're joining us again today. Today we're going to have another very interesting show. We have invited back one of the people who is closest to A Better World, one of our closest friends and dearest colleagues who has been on A Better World radio and TV numerous times going back to, honestly, the early 1990s. That's Dr. Bruce Lipton, internationally renowned cellular biologist, the author of numerous books, including The Biology of Belief, Spontaneous Evolution, The Honeymoon Effect, and travels the world speaking to people about things that are, how do I say, eminently, seminally, germanely important. That has to do with our own personal understanding and environment, understanding our cells relative to our belief systems, to our emotions, to our thoughts. So on one hand, we're dealing with our inner terrain, what I like to refer to as our inner ecology. But he's also talking about what we have done based on you could say, rather faulty belief systems, things that are not according necessarily so well with reality, and how we have made such a mess of our outer ecology. And as a result, we're on a precipice. So Bruce and I have been talking about this kind of thing for eons, really, and to such a point that we're really on the precipice of what we call the sixth extinction. We're going to go into this. We're going to look first at um, a story that he has helped to develop, a scientific story. I, I really call him the godfather of, called epigenetics. And then we're going to look at the effect of that and how that effect can be a constructive and creative one when it comes to turning our planetary ship around. So with that, I want to say Hello, Dr. Bruce Lipton. Welcome back to A Better World. A pleasure to have you. Mitchell, I really want to thank you so very much for this opportunity to talk to your wonderful community because everyone who's listening at this time is really what I refer to as a cultural creative. Uh, People are seeking answers that are not in the book, answers out of the box (laughs) that uh, are necessary at this time. And uh, so uh, being on your program and and, uh, having a platform to talk about some of the things uh, that we can engage in to make a better world is good for a program (laughs) called A Better World. I really like that phrase. It has a nice ring to it, doesn't it, Bruce? (laughs) Well, you know, I've got to say, you are so in demand worldwide. People are knocking at your door and scratching on it and all that. And I'm just really pleased and honored to have you on again. It's actually become a rather annual thing. And uh, it's always so rich for us to have your input for our audience, and then we have others who listen in over the course of the year, waiting with bated breath to hear you again. No, but in reality, your your messages, your own level of studious research, your own inner awakenings are something that are of really immense value. And that's why you were telling me earlier, the, the size of the crowds and the audiences are increasing as you go from country to country around the world. They're really, you're telling me, they're really listening. 
and listening with more of them. And it's, uh, it just, what does it mean to you when you see that phenomenon? What it means to me is more and more people are waking up to the fact that this is not a sustainable situation that we've created on this planet, and that the way we are living is actually causing, uh, as you mentioned very uh, quickly before, uh, what is referred to as the sixth mass extinction event, uh, which uh, people don't really get is that's our extinction as well. Exactly. It's not just right. a, for the awesome. animals and the plants. Yeah. Uh, okay. You know, there yeah. are no more tigers and that's like, yeah, but pretty soon there are no more people. Uh, yeah. and, and it's interesting because uh, this information about what's going on in the environment in the world, it's almost like a back page little column. There's a few words about something going on when yeah. in reality, this is the biggest issue facing human civilization at this moment. And we can redirect our focus to politics in this country and that country and what's going on. I say, yeah, but you're taking your eye off the big picture. Uh, mm-hmm. And the big picture is uh, the sixth mass extinction that you brought up. So uh, let, me, let me preface that by first saying, well, it's the sixth mass extinction. Well, obviously, there have been five mass extinctions five previously on this planet. And, yeah, uh, why don't you take uh, a moment and, and just walk us through that a little bit so we have some sense of well, context. Uh, yeah. So five times in the history of this planet, life was thriving full out. I mean, a lot of life was going on here on this planet. And then uh-huh. some event uh, precipitated the mass extinction, which leads to a minimum of 70% up to 90% or more of life disappearing. And, and then reforming again. It happened uh, five times. Uh, life was thriving, disappeared. Then it reforms. And, and now uh, in the world of what appears at some level thriving, uh, we are now realizing that we are now engaged in the sixth mass extinction. Now, so let's go back just historically. Well, when was the fifth one, the last one? And the last one was when this planet was like a tropical forest filled with dinosaurs. <laughs> and now there are mm-hmm. no dinosaurs, and a lot of it's not tropical anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. What happened to them? Well, that event was a, uh, a, a cataclysmic event where a comet hit near Mexico, and a massive comet, uh, and it, yes. it upended the ecosystem of the planet, changing oh the whole ecosystem, uh, and all the plants and animals. How long ago was this? Dropped out. What's that? How long ago? 600 was million this? years what? ago. Okay. 600, I think, is when it is. And, uh, and then after all that died out, then everything started again. And here we are at the, what was a peak of this new, this new uh, bio uh, field that we're in. And now all of a sudden I say, but guess what? Uh, since 1970, which is an interesting date because that's when the World Wildlife Foundation uh, took a survey how many animals on planet Earth? 1970. They just did the same uh, uh, um, assessment two years ago. 62% of the animal population has disappeared since 1970. We're down to a third of the animals left on the planet that were, you know, compared to the population that was here in 1970. Uh, And if you want to talk about fish, all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's a bigger problem. Uh, Since 1950, when they were doing a survey about fish in the ocean, 90% of the fish have already disappeared. 
the ocean is changing to such a dramatic degree that it's not supporting the population of fish. And I say, uh, and, and why is this? Well, the previous mass extinctions weren't due to humans. We weren't even here. Uh, it was due to yeah. natural things, a comet hitting the earth or tectonic plate movements uh, causing upheaval again in the environment. And yet, and here's the cold fact, that we are already facing this mass extinction. We've lost uh, 90% of the fish. And just since 1970, didn't say how many animals we lost before 1970. We've already lost two-thirds just since 1970. Uh, reports on insects, interesting enough, uh, Germany uh, was uh, uh, assessing their insect, uh, insect population over the last 20 years. Uh, and this last count uh, showed a reduction of greater than 75% of the insects have disappeared uh, in, in their national parks during the time they were doing the survey. I just saw another one just recently where 90% of the insects have disappeared. And people think, well, you know, great, I won't have those buzzy things around me. It's like, well, those buzzy oh, things are God. helping keep an environment that keep we can live alive. in. Uh, for example, yes. that little buzzy thing called the bee, uh, which has shown just in the last few years a massive loss of population. Loss. It's like, yes. oh, yeah, bees, they sting. And I go, yeah, and they also create the pollination that allows us to have food. <laughs> mm -hmm. If the bees disappear, right. who's going out in the field to pollinate the plants at that point? So uh, basically it's like, well, these losses all are adding up to a massive loss. And as I said, 90% of the fish, over 70% of the animals, just in 70, uh, 75 to 90% of the insects. Uh, and then what about human populations? Like, well, it's reached its peak, and it's now going to begin to crash. Why? It's not sustainable. We're not sustainable. We're, we're killing ourselves. We're not just killing the environment. Uh, the, the culture that we have created that is killing the environment is the same culture that is feeding yes. back on us and precipitating health care crisis on a planet that is unimaginable considering it's how really much money one of the same. To kill the environment to kill the environment and it, is it, it's actually identical to killing ourselves. They're not separate well, yeah. uh, events. It's a matter of homicide and suicide wrapped up in one. Absolutely. And 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 the fact is well, this is a fact of science. And I go, so what does it mean? I say, well, mm -hmm. where the hell is the headline? The headline is, is like, I don't care what the hell Trump's doing. We're, we're killing the planet, which means yes, us. Right. And this is not Wake really important up. to emphasize. This is not, oh, in a thousand years. No, no. This is within, within a century. Within a century, humans may be decimated from this population on the planet. Yes. Well, some go, oh, say no. way go, sooner yeah. than that, actually. Where are you going to get the food? Yeah. Uh, we're, we're facing climate change. And, and well, Correct. Uh, my point of view is obviously from, uh, from looking at the history and the current moment, um, climate change is a cyclic event. So that happens. But humans yes. are exacerbating the situation, making climate change much more radical than it had Correct. been without us being here because of how we have influenced the environment, how we've shifted the nature of water on this planet, uh, uh, how we yes. are clearing Air. Uh, plants Soil. to grow hamburgers. Uh, and people don't know, yeah. you know, the earth isn't like 
uh, it's got so many finite resources. Before we got here, if I said, give me a list of the resources, and then I make a list, here's how much iron, here's how much magnesium, here's how much potassium, and I go, okay, and, and what about today? I said, we've got the same amount. But the problem is this. We've extracted what was available and locked yes. it into to material objects, locked it into trash and, you know, and pollution and all that yes. stuff. And it's like... You can't keep extracting from the earth after you've extracted what was available. And, and, and the idea about this is we have extracted so much and have distorted the ecosystem. And I say, oh, well, climate change is happening. And I say, well, well, so many people think, well, if we just get our stuff together, we can reverse climate change. And I got to first let me just suggest something very clear from history. Uh, you cannot reverse climate change. No, climate change is a global situation uh, and has to do with more than just people, but the people, are, I said, are exacerbating it. I say, why is it relevant? And you say, well, climate change is hotter or colder. And I go, no, you know what you missed? How do you grow food? <laughs> yes. Why? Because if you don't have any water, then you can't grow any food. And if the temperature That's is right. too hot, then you can't grow any food. If it's cold, you can't grow any food. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, my God, climate change is not you know, determining what we're going to wear. Climate change <laughs> is determining whether we're going to have food. <laughs> all right, uh, whether we're going to live or not. Over. Exactly. But what we do exactly. have you know some exercise over is – Global yes. warming, and this is a distinction I'm making to people all the time. As you said, climate change is part of nature's cycling. That that you cannot change, and you don't want to change. It's reality. But what we have done, as you were saying, Bruce, of exacerbating the situation through pollution, through greenhouse gases, etc., that has so radically changed the time frame that what what life on earth is best at doing is adaptation or dying and can we make the adaptation or not in time or can we reverse yeah. it the reality the good news there is good news the good news is that uh through science through technology not so much the human will but or political will but through these other means we have generated the means by which we can literally turn maybe all of it around not climate change but the uh, effect I, I, that I, I the anthropogenic part of it i i your, believe your comments? and, and, and w yeah. when i'm saying this now i'm coming from a biological world uh and please as we you introduce uh, the story of epigenetics, which is one of the most profoundly important changes in science that the public is not fully aware of yet. Uh, exactly. It's a very necessary piece of information. We're going to go from the uh, macro of the, the planetary down to the micro, which is what you're about to embark on now, which is the story of epigenetics, which you are, as I said, the godfather of. Um, and if you would <laughs> lay that out and maybe help to find that for our audience, that would be fantastic. I, I would love to, but I want to, I want to make a statement first uh, that to me sure. is so fundamentally important, and people go, uh-huh, and I go, no, no, it's not uh-huh. <laughs> this is the meaning of life on this planet. So the, the first premise statement I need to make right here, it's not about biology. First, it's about physics. And people say, well, what is physics? I say, well, physics, the science, physics means mechanisms. 
You study physics to understand mechanisms, mechanisms how the universe works, mechanisms yes. of uh, uh, of the planetary actions, mechanics. Uh, that's why it's you could the say father of science. physics. Yeah, and I say the father of biology. Now, here's a fact. The fact is this: the most tested and validated of all sciences on this planet is quantum physics. And I say it's the most truthful science that exists. Every other science has a lot of good suggestions, but quantum physics has been tested to be most valid. And I say, why is it relevant? And here is the one statement. The main principle in quantum physics is that consciousness is creating our life experiences. And I say, well, that's really nice. I say, it's not nice. It's a fundamental mechanism. <laughs> Our consciousness is creating this planet and how we live on this planet. And the relevance about it is if you want to change the world, you don't have to physically as much go out and change the planet as you must go inside and change the consciousness. It's our consciousness that is precipitating the problem. Uh, and we've been programmed. Uh, I love to start my lectures off. I show a picture of the uh, the movie poster for The Matrix, and I say, oh, where do you find this movie? And people say, oh, it's in the science fiction category. And then I go, no. The movie The Matrix is a documentary. And the point about it is the movie The Matrix is everybody's been programmed, and, and if you take a red pill, you can get out of the program. And I go, yes. first of all, the truth is every one of us has been programmed. Uh, and you say, what do you mean? I say, well, the first seven years of a child's life, the predominant brain activity is, you know, putting wires on a child's head, EEG, electroencephalograph, or read brain activity. The predominant brain activity of a child through age seven is in the range called theta, a vibration that's just below mm -hmm. consciousness, but it's associated with imagination. And that's where sure. we see kids. They live in the real world and the imaginary world. They have a tea party. They pour nothing into the cup. They drink nothing <laughs> and then talk about how wonderful the tea was. Or they ride the broom, but it's not a broom. It's a horse. And I go, ah, the characteristic of mis mixing imagination and reality is theta. And then the yeah. emphasis is this. Theta is hypnosis. And I go, mm -hmm. why should I have seven years of hypnosis? Oh, I'll give you a simple uh, analogy. You buy a brand-new computer. It's got an operating system. Yes, I can turn it on. There it is. Computer is on. I say, now what? I say, well, if you don't have a program, what the hell are you going to do with a computer? If you have no program, <laughs> write program, you know, uh, uh, yeah. Excel or, or art programs. Yeah. I say, if you don't put a program into this machine, it's quite capable, but with no program, it cannot do anything. And I well, go, rather when useless. a child is born... When a child is born, it's got an operating system. But what it needs to have are programs to get it off the ground. So nature creates the first seven years of download program. How do you download program? You're in theta, hypnosis. I go, yeah, what? You observe your mother, your father, your family, your community. You download their behavior like a video camera. And so mm -hmm. the programs that first come into the operating system are programs of behavior that allow you to be a functional member of a family and then allow you to be a functional member of a community. There are rules. You've got to know all these rules. I say, oh, how do you know the rules? You observe other people and download their behavior. So here's the point. For the first seven years, we get 
programs of how to live on the planet. And I go, where do you get them from? Observing other people. And then you download them, especially from your family. And I go, well, why is that relevant? I say, well, what if you have wishes and desires uh, that, you, that are not in your family's behavior? It's like, ooh, now you've got a problem. Why? Well, <laughs> the behaviors that we downloaded may not support that wish or desire, which is actually the case in most of, the, most of our issues. So I, I go, well, guess what? Then we are programmed to create behaviors first by observing other people and downloading their behavior. And then I go back and say, you know what? 70% of the programs we downloaded are disempowering and, and uh, limiting beliefs uh, of what you can do and what you can't do. That's a program. And I say, why is that relevant? Because there have been limitations of what we can do. We find ourselves in our consciousness thinking, oh, my God, I have so little power in the world. I'm a victim of all these forces. Poor me. Uh, I, I, I'm a victim of forces outside of us when go back to quantum physics the most valid science says the life you're creating is connected to your consciousness if you bought that you were a victim then your life is you are a victim the the function of the mind is to take our program and manifest it as reality now i go back and i go wow we got off the ground really bad just like just like it said in the movie the matrix we we're all programmed yes let me let me add this cuz this is the juicy little piece of data is the idea of being programmed and the program running our life new? I go, scientifically, the details of it are over 400 years old. People have been told that they've been programmed and that the program runs their life for 400 years without knowing. And I go, it comes from the Jesuits. The Jesuits yes. have a statement Give me a child until it is seven, and I will show you the man. And you go, what the hell does that mean? I go, exactly what I was just telling you what the science is. Age up to seven is programming. But then how does the programming create our life? And this is the piece I need to add because we're going to come back to it. I say, wait, there's, the mind is being programmed. And, I, uh, and this is part of our story, uh, Mitchell, so I need to give a little bit on this. When we say our consciousness is created, I go, well, that's from the mind. And then I say the mind, and everyone thinks, oh, a, there's a mind, a single mind. Uh, the fact is, no, there are actually two minds. Uh, they are interdependent. Yes. They are separate sure. entities. They learn in different ways. They function in different ways, but they operate collectively together. So I say there's the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. We've got to clear this up before the rest of our discussion, and that is this. Mm -hmm. The conscious mind, the latest evolution of the nervous system, uh, is the mind that is creative, and it represents our personal identity, our source, our spirit. Who we are as individuals is a character of the conscious mind. The conscious mind being creative, by definition, is the mind where wishes and desires come from. So I say, hey, Mitchell, tell me what you want from your life. Ah, that's a creative thought. I would like to have X, Y, Z. I go, well, guess what? That comes from the conscious mind. That's creative, and that's a beautiful mind. And I say, what's the other mind? I say, oh, that was the more original mind, the more powerful <laughs> one as a computer. It's yes. called the subconscious mind. I go, is subconscious mind creative? I go, it's got a little creativity, but subconscious mind character is habit. Habit. Uh, yes. It records programs, and then when you push the button, it plays the program back. 
And I say, how long will it do? I say, it was once the program's in the subconscious mind, unless you change it, that program yeah. is going to operate the rest it of your stays. life. Uh, and they're called habits, okay? Now, unfortunately, a lot of people attribute the subconscious mind as evil. Well, that's where all the evil comes from. I go, look, subconscious uh-uh. mind is a cold machine. It's a record right. playback device. It's like a CD recorder for some of it's us a older recorder, people, exactly. like a tape recorder. And I go, what, how does it work? I say, you put a program, you record it, and then every time you push the button, the program plays. And then uh, it becomes very important because um, if you want to change that program, I say, how do you do it? I say, well, one thing you don't do is this. You don't walk up to the CD player while it's, making a pro- while it's playing a program and then talk to the CD player and ask it to change the program. It's like, why? There's nobody in there. <laughs> it's a machine. <laughs> and I say, yes, the conscious mind is a machine. You want to change yeah. the program, don't talk to yourself because you're only talking to your conscious mind. Subconscious got nobody in there. So that becomes yeah. problematic. Now, now the issue is this. We've been programmed. That's a fact. Get it off the ground. But after yep. age seven, conscious mind kicks in, and then our creative character can be influential in then shaping the rest of our life. And I say can be, but is it? And now here is the crux of a problem that is – this is like you, we hit the, the core of the problem right here, and that yes. is this. The function of the mind is to take the programs that we have and make them manifest, make them real, make our life mm-hmm. coherent to whatever the program is. So I go, for the first seven years we get programs, but not our programs. We downloaded them from other people. They got their own problems, <laughs> but now you right. downloaded them it's as well. It's our parents' programs okay? and family, largely. Running through the lineage. A program runs through right. the lineage like a gene runs through a lineage. Uh, and, exactly. and that's an interesting point right there, because uh, we've always been programmed to believe, oh, cancer is genetic, and it runs in families. And it turns out mm-hmm. that's a bunch of BS. Uh, that means belief system. Uh, uh, and the reason <laughs> yeah. is this. There is no gene <laughs> that causes cancer. There is not one gene that causes cancer. We bought in the belief that the genes cause the cancer. We go, nope, the genes never cause the cancer. They can manifest the cancer, but not by themselves. Uh, and so, uh, uh, you know, uh, women are so concerned with it because they should be. They have the BRCA1, the cancer gene. And everybody goes, oh, that's the gene that causes breast cancer. I go, well, there's a problem because 50% of the women, half the women that carry this gene will never get the cancer. And I, So the stop point right here is, does possession of the gene cause cancer? And it's just, no. Fifty percent of the women have this gene, but they never get the cancer. So the gene mm-hmm. didn't cause it. Uh, and we say, well, what caused it? And here comes the, the, the little story that adds to this that goes, oh, my God, aha. And that is people, researchers followed the fate of young kids adopted into families where cancer is running through the family lineage. Mm-hmm. Guess what? The adopted child will get the same family cancer with the same probability as any of the natural siblings. But the problem is the adopted child has completely different genetics. What's the point? Mm -hmm. The family cancer isn't based on genetics, it's based on programming. Uh, And this is how a change of consciousness can take a person who has terminal cancer and, and create spontaneous remission. Why? It was the consciousness that created the cancer. In the first place. In the first place. Uh, 
Now, this is a hard thing for people to grasp, Bruce, as you so well know, because you're saying this over and over across the world. But it, it, it's just yes. because it's hard for people to grasp doesn't mean it should not It should be said even more times so it can really penetrate more into repetition. the subconscious <laughs> and begin to rattle it around a little bit. Well, a- absolutely. So uh, the issue is, uh, let's go back to the Jesuits' statement. Uh, give me a child yes. until it's seven and I will show you the man. The child before seven gets a program. Then how come the man expresses the program? Because they got a creative mind, want to express their own. And here, the crux of the problem that I alluded to now is if my creative conscious mind can be creative and make anything I want, then how come the subconscious is controlling my life? And the answer is the same creative conscious mind that could look at the world and make decisions and wishes and desires. Uh, when that mind is thinking, when conscious mind is thinking, and this is the problem right here, then the conscious mind attention is directed inside, not looking outside. Answers to questions and thoughts are inside the head, not outside. So when you're having a thought, conscious mind lets go of the outside world, goes inward, because that's where thoughts are, and is now inside the head, working with thoughts and stuff like that. And I go, well, what if I'm walking down the street or driving the car? If the moment, if my conscious mind stops paying attention to what's going on out there and goes inside, uh, how come I didn't walk into a tree or crash my car? And, and yeah. now here's the answer. When we are thinking and conscious mind goes inwards and lets go of the control, the subconscious is autopilot. The moment I let go, mm-hmm. subconscious steps in and takes yes. over. Why? Yeah. Because it knows how to do the things I do. It knows how to walk, how to talk, how to do my job, because it's the habit mind. So anything we've done through our life exactly. in habit is already programmed. So I go, well, where's the problem? I say, well, if the fundamental programs are flawed <laughs> and disempowering, yeah. and we're thinking, and that program is playing, are we aware of it playing? Consciously? I say, no, no, no. Conscious is no. thinking. You're just playing automatic behavior. You can't see it. Uh, uh, let, let me give a, 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 a story that I, 30 years, I've told the same story. I'm going to do it for the next 30. And that is the story <laughs> because almost everyone gets it. And that uh-huh. is this. Sometime in your life you had a friend, and you were close to your friend, this particular friend. And you knew your friend's behavior very well, but you also knew your friend's parent. And one day you see your friend has the same behavior as their parent. Well, this amuses you. Of course, you've got to tell your friend. And some, this is how it plays out. You say, hey, Bill, you're just like your dad. And then you back away from Bill. Because the first thing Bill's going to do is going to go ballistic on you. I'm nothing like my dad. How can you compare me to my dad? I'm not my dad. <laughs> and, and, and they will deny with fullest you know, energy. Reality. Like deny reality. <laughs> so then I say, so what is the meaning of this story? And, I, and this, is the, this is the clear part. Everyone yeah. else can see Bill behaves like their dad. They're observing Bill. Bill's not observing himself because Bill is thinking. That's right. So the behavior right. that is now coming out from the automatic program playing device, subconscious, is a program yeah. that is sabotaging him or like his father's behavior. And he's the one that can't see. He's the only one that can't see it. 
And the reason why is, well, why is he playing the program? And the answer is, his conscious mind has let go of the outside world's inside and thought. And then science gives us his number, which is like, this is the number, Mitchell, that how much time do we spend in thought? Science says, average time, 95%. I said, what does that mean? I said, well, if we're thinking 95% of your life, then where's your behavior coming from 90% of your life? I go, oh, the original program. And then go yes. back to the Jesuit statement. Yeah, I gave you a program in the first seven years, and guess what? 95% of your life you're going to play that program. So uh, give me the program. I'll show you the man. And, and this becomes really important. And that story about Bill uh, and not you know, uh, owning that his behavior is like his father's in this case, uh, let's add one really profound additive to that story, and that is this. We are all Bill. There's nobody out there that is not Bill at this moment in the sense that all of us are walking around thinking and playing our programs and not seeing them. So now we come back to the movie The Matrix because I said it's a documentary. But in the movie, there was an opportunity to take what they call the red pill, and you get out of the program. And I go, wow, that's really interesting because we now recognize that almost everybody in this audience out here has taken that red pill and profoundly changed their lives. And I say, when, when did we take that red pill? And scientists have now shown us that when we fall deeply in love with someone, the immediate consequence of that is we stop thinking. We stay what mm-hmm. is called mindful. We keep our mm-hmm. conscious mind present. Why? Well, if you've been looking for this partner your whole life and they show up, is this a time to be thinking? No, this is a time to be present. No. It's like, wow. Right. I go, and what is the consequence? So, and I put it in the perspective. You've run your whole life on the programs, self-sabotaging many of the programs. We struggle through life, and life is oh, so hard. We meet this partner. 24 hours later, we're experiencing heaven on earth. Oh, my God, life is so beautiful. I'm so in love. The food's great. The music's great. Even my job doesn't stink <laughs> anymore. I'm so in love. And I said, what are you doing? You're creating heaven on earth. That, 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 that's the consequence of the honeymoon, heaven on earth. And here comes mm-hmm. the, so what does all this come down to? And the answer was this. When I was thinking 95% of the time and playing the downloaded programs, my life was a struggle. The moment I fall in love, it's tantamount to taking a red pill. I stop thinking. I keep my conscious mind present. <laughs> well, if a conscious mind's present, a creative mind's got its hands on the wheel. It's driving you toward wishes and desires. Wow, you manifested wishes and desires. You had heaven on earth. I go, and how'd that happen? In 24 hours. And I go, simply by stop playing the programs that led you up to this point. And then, of course, then I'll just have to close it because it's like, well, the honeymoon fades. I go, why does the honeymoon fade? I say, well, it's great to stay present and conscious all the time, but guess what? You still have jobs to do. You have chores to do. You have responsibilities. And I go, what happens then? I say, well, in the first rush of the honeymoon effect, we stay present and we become who we want to be. And our partner sees us as our highest self, our wishes and desires manifesting. We see them at their higher self. But 
in a short period of time, depending on individuals, thinking comes back into the game because, hey, I still got to do the job. I still got to do this. So I start thinking. I said, then what happens when an individual in the honeymoon starts thinking? I go, oh, uh, their conscious mind goes inside, and now they're playing what? The programs that were self-sabotaging from the subconscious. The original subconscious programs, yep. You went back, and I say, your partner that you have a honeymoon with never saw these negative programs because you never played them when you were in the honeymoon. But once they start showing up, then your partner, like watching Bill be like his dad, now watching your partner be like their parent, I started to recognize this is not what I signed up for. <laughs> yes. I, I, you know, these behaviors weren't part of a honeymoon. Uh, uh, and then there's a point where compromises come in. Well, we had a great, wonderful heaven-on-earth honeymoon, and, and this is a negative problem that Bruce has. So, okay, sometimes he's like that. I compromise. Okay, sometimes Bruce is a jerk. But it's okay. Uh, the rest of it's good. But th- maybe that's only one program that showed up. A little later, another program shows up, and then there's another, well, I have to compromise again. And then after you start to realize how many compromises, by the time you're living with your partner who's not even living in their conscious mind, now they're just playing the programs all the time. Yeah. Uh, and this is why yeah. the relationships fail, because the relationship wasn't based on the individual's program. It was based on their creative conscious wishes and desires. But when those stop playing because thinking comes in and we go back to the program, then the honeymoon is essentially gone. Uh, And and this becomes uh, the the main thing, and it's invisible. Uh, And it's invisible because, let's say, I'm in a relationship, I start to play one of my father's negative behaviors that I downloaded. My partner, Margaret, observes this and said to me, you know, Bruce, who are you? I love that. That's a, who are you? Where the heck did that come from? Uh, and then yeah. go back to Bill. And the point was what? I didn't see what the You're hell like I your father. said. That's right. I was That's like my right. father, but I didn't see it. And, and so I'm being accused of being like my father or being of having negative behavior by my partner. And I didn't see it. But in my conscious mind, that's not me. So I have to deny. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Uh, and, boy, that's when all the disconnects start, and that's when all the relationships start going down the tube at that moment. So it 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 gives us a lot of information. You have just shared a brilliant thesis and uh, with proof um, <laughs> of how the mechanisms, based on physics, as you put it clearly at the beginning, work. And we need to see that yes. our mind, which is part of biology, operates. And that gives us a point yes. of leverage in looking because we have a, what we say in neurolinguistic programming, Bruce, we take on a meta position where we can look at and observe ourselves as our father, as our mother, as right. our siblings. And, oh, and then we have a freedom that we didn't have the moment before, Right. And you that, have choice. If you can you see the behavior, then you have a choice of what do you want to do with the behavior. But if You're the not enslaved is by it. Exactly. You, you have and it happens all very quickly. And we rehearse those behaviors uh, for how many decades, correct? Yeah, well, your whole life <laughs> until you change that's it. My that's my point. Your, uh, you know, uh, I, I said, for example, uh, uh, the subconscious isn't evil. It's just got habits in it. 
And, and no. if we focus on the bad habits, then that's where we get, oh, subconscious is evil. I go, wait a second. When did oh, you learn no, how to walk? No. I say, of before course. you were two. I say, have you ever had to relearn how to walk if you're 50, 60, 70, 80? I go, no, why? Hey, you put the program in when you were two, and it's still playing, thank God. So there are programs yes. that are really good that we need. That's right. Uh, and so the subconscious isn't evil. It's just a programming a machine to play programs. It's just a receptacle. Uh, now, it's a re- let, me, let me help re- the audience here one second, mechanism. Mitchell. Yeah. Uh, let, let me help here for one second. And the idea is this. I said, uh, when did we get programmed? Well, scientists recognize the programming actually starts even before you're born. Last trimester of pregnancy, you're downloading awareness. And You're reading my mind again, seven. Bruce. I was about to go back to prenatal, <laughs> but you got there before me. <laughs> uh, that's when go it ahead. starts. I mean, I'll give you a simple example. Truly. Uh, if you play music through the abdominal wall, you know, loud enough that it's going through the abdominal wall, and you play sure. it while the baby is developing, when the baby is born, you put that music on, the baby will instantly know that music. Or if the father that's right. is talking to the baby through the abdominal wall, and does this on a regular basis, when the baby is born, the moment the father opens his mouth, the baby will know which one the father is by the voice right away. They'll learn that. And so I go, well, wait a minute. The programs that shape our life started coming in even before we were born. And when we were at zero, we were getting a lot of progress. We were at one, we're getting massive progress. We're at two, we're getting lots of progress. I go, Okay, so what were the programs that I get at zero? It's like, oh, obviously, I have no idea. I wasn't conscious, so I have no idea. Right. So now I want to help, and, and this is my little help moment right here. 95% of our life comes from the subconscious program. The point is our life is a printout of our programs. So basically, you look at your life right now, you say, uh, the things that you like that come into your life, they, they didn't get there by accident. They got there because you had programs to acknowledge them. But here's the one I want people to pay attention to. But anything you work hard at to make happen, to struggle over, to put a lot of effort into it, the sweat over make, I want this to happen. I want this. I'm working real hard in my life to get there. Mm-hmm. Good question. Why are you working so hard to manifest this destination? Quick answer. Yes. Inevitably, whatever programming you got before A7 does not support that destination. So now you have your conscious mind seeing a, a, a desire and wanting to go there, and you have a subconscious mind operating 94%, 95% of the time. 180 and a degrees opposite. powerful. That's correct. It's like who's going to win, conscious or subconscious? The answer is subconscious is clear. All and the therefore, time. Uh, and if we have no awareness of this dichotomy, all that we see, like Bill, is I don't see my behavior affecting it. I just see it's not working. And that's the damnedest problem of all because if we don't see our personal participation that causes the problem, you are mm-hmm. only left with what? I'm a victim. Problem. <laughs> I wanted yes, to be successful, and look what happened. That's and right. this is the wake-up call that is required for us as individuals on this planet to wake up and say, if my life isn't creating what I want, I cannot keep going out and blaming outside forces. I must own 
that I am being pro- my program does not support that, and that if I change my programming, then I will manifest my experience. But if you don't change the programming, it's a habit, and by definition, a habit. Well, that's the habit of walking from two years old to a hundred years old. It's still there. Okay, so the wake-up call is look at your life, see what's working. Don't worry about that. You already got a program. But recognize anything that you have to work hard at or struggle over to try and manifest. You're just trying to overcome your own limitations, which is the program in the subconscious mind. So we can heal ourselves. If you own you're a victim, you you have no control. By the name victim, it says, oh, I'm a victim. Other people are doing this. Other things are doing this. And and by acknowledging victim, you've acknowledged personal disempowerment. I cannot control this. I am a victim. Uh, So uh, at this point, I'd like – but let's let's come full circle to match up um, in our last 15 or so minutes with – what we began, we began on the macro level, and you have elegantly yeah. brought it into the micro level of an individual conscious and subconscious mind, their interaction, and we, you know, you and I can go on for hours about the healing. Yes, we can. That's <laughs> possible. But I want to, I want to go from the individual place of empowerment where we've gained leverage because we see these two minds in action and we are beginning to liberate ourselves if you will bruce from the power the clutch if you will of the subconscious and we see a world that's on the precipice i.e all that you were saying earlier about the sixth extinction and how do we become empowered around that and take greater control of our personal consciousness, and how will that, and this is a question I'm asking you, how can that literally affect the outcome on a global warming, ecological, ecosystemic level? Number one, um, organisms have an adaptability And the more adaptability you have, the greater power you have in sustaining yourself in a world that's continuously changing. And then when we come to humans and we look, we have the highest power of adaptability through our conscious creative minds, which other animals don't really have. We have imagination. And when you have imagination, then you have a vision. And if you can put that vision into application, then you have a technology. And this is what we need to depend on. We need to look and say, look, if you think this climate is going to come back to exactly the way it was, well, you're lost at this moment because put your (laughs) seeds in next year and it probably won't germinate if you're in that environmental change. So the basically says we need not to try and put all our effort to return back to a climate. We have to learn how to continuously adapt to a climate. So the younger generation is really into this. Uh, uh, The older generation people, and and they're both on this line right now, Uh, the older generation on this line, uh, these are are the individuals uh, that are, are actually like, uh, the potential teachers for the young people. Uh, we've mm-hmm. been around. We've seen this stuff. Uh, we're yes. elders in, in that sense. 
we, we have something to offer young people. I don't just say the young people, okay, go off and figure out how to do it. It's like if we have something to help them, we've got to help them. And so yeah. as older people, we're not out of the picture except that the primary drive of this evolution is the millennial generation. Uh, they're the next generation, the ones that went to school, have $100,000 in debt, and can't find a job. Those mm-hmm. ones. Uh, and I go, uh, they're very critical to the upheaval and evolution that we're experiencing right now. I'll give you a simple, a simple reason, just the logic. Mm-hmm. A government can only stand as long as the people, uh, you got the mass support of the people in that country. If the mass of the population changes its belief system, the government was going to change, okay? Uh, the yes. more people that hold on to the structure, the more you keep the structure. So now I say, where are we today? And the answer is very interesting, is that we're nearly uh, more, there are more people, uh, let's say in the United States, that are not part of the structure than those in the structure. Especially mm-hmm. the younger generation can't get their foot in the door. You know, they, yes. they have to share living accommodations with each other if, if they can. Uh, they, they're staying yeah. at home. They're 40 years old. They're still at home. I go, well, what's <laughs> yeah. the point? I say, uh, if you go out and tell the millennial generation, oh, the stock market's going to crash, uh, the response is, what's a stock? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, they own no stock. I say, why is it relevant? Yeah. They could give a damn. That's and right. the point is, they could give a damn about the way this government, uh, you know, is trying to make something. They want something different. And we had a bit of a, uh, a vision of, of change in this last election, where a large number of women and minorities and different religions have been put into Congress this time. First time. Yes. Not the conventional yes. same old suits coming in. And I say, why is it relevant? Well, uh, Alexandria O.C., she's a a person, if she doesn't succumb to being conventional by being bought out, uh, then look what she's doing. She's throwing a monkey wrench in the system. I say, fine. Why? Because the young people know that the system is not supporting them at all. The young young people are struggling (laughs) to get out. My daughter is, is 47 years old. She's still paying her damn education loans. <laughs> you know, it's like oh, he's 47 God. years old. Uh, oh, and people are, are, are held uh, like in ransom. Pay your education, your student Truly. loan. Uh, held hostage. And, and the point about it is what? Well, held hostage to an archaic these, system. And they don't support it. And I say, and how many of these people exist? I say more than 50%. I go, oh, my God, what does that mean? Well, then a smaller population is saying hold on to the structure. And a larger population saying, this structure sucks, we want something different. We're in an evolution at this moment, and we're seeing it coming apart at the seams. Uh, And uh, I I don't want to get political, uh, but I usually do. (laughs) Get political. (laughs) But the simple reality is we're in a non-sustainable world. And and uh, what's Einstein's thing? You know, uh, 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 trying to do the same thing over and over again and make change is crazy. Okay, you can't. That's right. If you keep doing doing the same same thing thing over and over again and expect a different result, is his definition of of lunacy in effect. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Exactly. And so, guess what? The young people are tired of the doing it again the same way. And so we're going to see change. We're in change. 
and and it scares a lot of people because if if your vision is this is a structure that causes and helps my life and you see the structure start to fall apart of course you're going to look at it and go oh my god my my world is i know it it's it's collapsing That's and, right. and i go well this That's thank right. god uh, for a very simple reason let's go back to our original sentence when we started we're facing a mass extinction. It's due to human behavior, which is based on our culture. <laughs> if you want to sustain and you want to live and you want to be on this planet, we can't keep doing this anymore. That's a simple fact. So let me ask you this. Problem. Let me ask you this. Because we are talking about a collective awakening, whether it's the millennials and some older people and younger people, we're talking about a collective awakening, a new way of seeing the future. And at the same time, environmentally, ecosystemically, we are still in the same position having to do with the reality of the glaciers melting rapidly and that changing everything, literally. So, we, you and I, are very familiar with the phenomenon called the hundredth monkey effect. You before were saying that the most proven of all sciences is quantum physics. And there we also have, yes. you know, the butterfly effect. So with yes. we're talking now, unless everybody goes out and works with their subconscious instantly and changes all of their habits that are leading to the problem of creating greenhouse gases, which ain't going to happen, we are also looking at another level of affecting world and global change and global warming change for the good, and that is through the awakening. Would you please talk about yes. the interface, Bruce, between that collective awakening, which is a, a matter of consciousness, and the so-called literal material world, or I should say earth, because that's what we're dealing with, and changing the way it's operating so that it's not going to be heading over the cliff, i.e. toward the sixth extinction, but rather retreating back to a sense of homeostasis. What is the role of the awakening of consciousness on that <laughs> level? Just a little question for you. I, I, I love it because uh, there's a wonderful answer to this, and it's amazing. And it has to do with physics again. And I say, what is consciousness? Uh, is it physical? And the answer is, no, it's not physical. You can't get it. Give me a pound of consciousness. You know, I say, I can't. no, consciousness is an energy. And I say, where does it come from? Right, say, right. Our nervous system is creating consciousness. I say, oh, and I mentioned earlier, I said, yeah, put wires on a person's head, electroencephalograph, and I could read your brain activity because that's where you're manifesting consciousness. And everybody goes, yeah. And then I say, and guess what? There's not a really. new way to read brain activity. Uh, it's not called electroencephalograph. It's called magnetoencephalograph. Yeah. Instead of EEG, mm -hmm. it's called MEG. I go, so what's the relevance right. of that? I said, it reads brain activity. I go, yes, so what? And I go, the probe does not touch the person. Their brain activity is read outside of their body. The, mm -hmm. You can read a person's neurological activity probe yeah. that's not even touching the body. I say, so yep. what is the meaning? I say, the most profound meaning at this instant is your thoughts 
are not contained in your head. They're broadcast <laughs> into the field. And yes. I said, why is it relevant? Because then I said, well, then every brain is a tuning fork with a vibration. Yes. I go, yeah, great. And then I say, the more people that share a vision are each one of those people as a tuning fork of that vision, the, the number of individuals increases the amplitude, the power of that field. Yes. And if a lot of people share a vision, then all of those people are broadcasting that vision through their consciousness into the field. It makes an energy field. It is an energy yes. field, consciousness and energy field. But the more that focus on a character, a certain way of life, a culture, how we do something, the stronger that energy field is because of the number of tuning forks that are contributing to it. And I say, so why is that important? I say, well, let's say you walk into the middle of a field where other people are like in, in, a, uh, in violence, and you're a peaceful person. But guess what? The power of their field will override your field. You will entrain unconsciously into to theirs. the more powerful field. And so, uh, however, so I, I was, uh, however, yeah. right? Go ahead. Yeah. Unless, when, well, if there are many, if there are more peaceful people in the presence yes. of the violent people, then guess what will be the more powerful field? Exactly. And this is why, just think about what happened in the States. You get the Nazis to march, uh, and they get a few hundred of them out there. And it irritates the rest of a lot of people. The next sure. time they march, there are 10,000 people from the other side. I say, why is it relevant? <laughs> okay, give me the amplitude of the Nazis' consciousness with 100. That's right. And give me the power of the energy field of 10,000. And all of a sudden you realize exactly. that Nazi field will disappear. If we That's collectively right. get together and amplify a culture of love, peace, harmony, respect, uh, recognizing that every individual is a unique identity, a unique source of consciousness, a unique spirit. And if we start to recognize and honor each other, this is the resolution of the evolution. The resolution is this. Evolution is not going to change human biology. We're not going to uh, change our physical characteristics or anything. Evolution right. at this stage is the evolution of the consciousness, not of the body. And the relevance about this is what is the evolution? I say it's completely different than the conventional cultural belief, which is broadcast by all those individuals with tuning forks, of a Darwinian world. I say, what's the Darwinian world? Well, it's always abbreviated as a, uh, the struggle for survival. <laughs> you know, a competition <laughs> for struggle and survival. Not, say, well, that's not, cultural belief. not. <laughs> well, but, but if I say if enough people believe in it, then what does it mean? Then we compete with each other. I'm going to that's beat right. your ass before you beat mine, because if I sit still, right. I'm going to lose. So I'm going to be more competitive than you. And then they're competing. And what competition leads to violence, and violence leads to war. And war is all based on what? A consciousness that somebody right. else is going to take away something from you or doesn't it believe in what you It becomes edified and reified. And it becomes and, real. And multiplied by every individual who is broadcasting with their brain tuning fork that image. Exactly. And the more people that broadcast so, it, the more it manifests. 
So this is a beautiful orchestration, if you will, Bruce, because we have seen, first, you spelled out, we both spelled out, the, the true dilemma that we are facing as a species on the planet at this point in time in January of 2019. Then we went from the macro level into the epigenetic personalized level of how, based on physics and biology, how the inner, and psychology, I should say, um, how the inner operation works, how perception works, how it gets buried through the subconscious, through video recording, basically, and then the conscious mind dances on top of that with its wishes and desires that breaks through a little here and there. But the subconscious, as you said, 95% is ruling the day. However, when we begin yes. to see and get some altitude, if you will, on this phenomenon of our own inner workings, we gain leverage. And with that leverage, we can begin to work with ourselves and consciously join the collective field, the quantum field, and begin to affect literal changes, shifts, and transformations in our inner and outer world simultaneously. Amen. That's it. That's the simple answer. And it's like, it's not complicated. You don't have to do any genetic engineering or nothing like that. It's understanding, <laughs> right. programming, and reprogramming. And, uh, exactly. and that's it. If you don't like the way your life is working, rather than going out and physically trying to change the world, if you first go in and change the program, the world will then open up to and come to your door with what you want. You don't have to chase things when you have the program, because when you have the right program, they come to you. And that's the yes. whole difference. And this is why I wrote The Honeymoon Effect, because uh, I, I didn't believe in uh, all this stuff. I didn't even believe in love. I thought, oh, that's a Hollywood thing, and they write books and stuff like that, just because it was so absent. <laughs> from understanding in my personal programming uh, yes. that I couldn't manifest it or imagine it. Uh, but since I started to understand this, and, and then, of course, meeting my partner, Margaret, who is also coming from a, a, a workshop training you know, program background, uh, when we came together, we made our own little workshop and trained our, ourselves to what? Rewrite the negative things that take away a honeymoon. And install in exactly. them programs that enhance the honeymoon. And so there's a little bit of work right there, the programming part. But now let me give you the joyous part, because once the program you want is in the subconscious mind, you never have to work on it anymore. Because once mm. it's in the subconscious mind, then 95% of the day, it's the mind there. is supposed to be manifesting that program. Right. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, my God, I put some effort in in the beginning. But guess what? Once it's in the program, no more effort is required. You will automatically be living in heaven every day if you put the programs of your heaven as part of your subconscious uh, and eliminate the, the programs that have taken you away from that conclusion. Exactly. That is so beautiful. You wrapped it up beautifully. Unfortunately, <laughs> we're out of time, and that might be a belief system no, in say, itself. By the way, you right here. <laughs> you know, you and I have been known to go on for eons, and I think we have been. 
but you are a wonderful teacher of mine, not to mention colleague and friend, and I so appreciate what you're bringing to this human party, Bruce. It is rich, it is diverse, it is funny, it is on target, it's based on science, and a tremendous amount of creative thought. And uh, I, I can't thank you enough for the contributions that you make daily to our beautiful planet. So, L- Listen, my, my dear friend, you have thanked me by just letting me be on this show. Because oh. the people that we want to talk to are the ones that are listening. Because I said, from day one when we started this conversation an hour ago, was this audience represents cultural creatives. If they get the right right information, they become empowered to create the life they want and not the one they've been programmed necessarily to experience. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. We actually started this conversation um, more like 25 years ago, by the way. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, Remember? yeah. That yep. was enjoyable because it's just uh, in, in your Manhattan city block with fifty thousand people in the block. It was only you and I that had any idea what the hell was going on. You noticed? Uh, <laughs> but, you noticed uh, that? Thank God the evolution is the evolution is going on and it's full blast. And oh, if people yes. recognize this, that the this is not the end. Of uh, uh, of us, this is the beginning no, of us. That's right. But we have that's to right. end the the system that is killing us, uh, and that that's is right. conventional culture, which is the uh, you know materialistic. The let me buy it and let me get extract the earth, and I don't care how the earth uh, responds because uh, we've always had yep. so much, and it's like not now. It's changed. That's right. That's right. We need a real mind change and brain change, both at the same time. Yeah. What is your website for people if they would like to get more information or uh, get your books, etc.? Oh, I have a simple website, brucelipton.com. And, uh, and there's even a YouTube channel, Good. Bruce Lipton YouTube channel, with, I don't know, large numbers of videos on there where – there are, you know, uh, lectures with illustrations, conversations, all these different things. So between the website Fantastic. and the YouTube channel, massive amount of free downloadable information. I'm not asking Fantastic. to buy anything. I don't, you know, that's not what it's about. Yep. I'm asking you to no. think. Bye. I will get you, if you don't have them already, I'll get you the interviews that we've done on video from the original uh, Fractal oh my Evolution. Oh, classic file. Biology of, uh, exactly, of consciousness. And so you can put those on your YouTube channel too. They should be on there. If they're not, of course, we're going to add them right away. Maybe they are. Uh, we'll and I was just trying to imagine, uh, just trying to imagine of, well, let me go back to that conversation, which he said was about 25 years ago. <laughs> I have a feeling that if we replayed those right now, it would be the exact same story we're talking about right now anyway. <laughs> yes, with a couple of embellishments, right? And some more, no, I'd yeah, say, seasoned uh, uh, experience. It's a and, story. That's right. That's right. And we're now such yeah. at the precipice. And so keeping the story alive bruce is something that you and i have done both individually and together and uh, we are going to continue it's always so wonderful to yes. have you on 
speaking to our audience. When you're in New York, we'll have to do another A Better World TV show again. That's long overdue. The last time we did that was when The Biology of Belief came out. God, that's 12 years ago now. So, yeah. Time for a new one. Let's do Uh, it. uh, Before I I disconnect, uh, let me again just uh, send my deepest appreciation to the listeners of this program. Because each one of you is an individual who can just change this reality uh, and, and create the, the, that heaven on earth for all of us. And so I thank you for being there. I thank you for your uh, consciousness and listening uh, and wish you the healthiest and happiest of futures uh, where we all program a, a better world. Bless you, my friend. Thank you again. <laughs> okay. See you again next Thank year. Thank you, Mitchell. You're so yeah, welcome. We'll do it. Bruce Lipton. Thank you. We will talk soon. Bye bye. Bye now. Dr. Bruce Lipton. Brilliant, brilliant man who I have been saying for years deserves the Nobel Prize for Medicine. And for peace, by the way, uh, because his breakthrough in our understanding of what is really behind the cellular life is not what we've been programmed to think. It's epigenetic reality. It is what happens after, in and through our environment, not what it is we inherited. No, it's not that what we inherited doesn't have a role he always says, it's a blueprint, and you don't turn on and off a blueprint. It's there, but you can modify it, and it becomes modified through mind, through emotions, through belief systems, through thoughts, and allowing the subconscious to well up, which is why hypnosis is so powerful, a method of creating a dialogue, a conscious dialogue to some extent, with the subconscious, with the original programming, and bringing it to the foreground for inspection, through observation. And in fact, we didn't get into it today, but Bruce likes talking about Rob Williams and the work that he does for reprogramming the subconscious. I've been doing so much work around that using neurolinguistic programming, using hypnosis and other means uh, over the course of decades in my work and practice that help to nudge the subconscious into another space, a more open one, so the habits are not so fast and furious, but are relaxed and Spiritual work, disciplines, meditation, and the like, Qigong, can help to affect that as well by shifting the mind out of this idea that Bruce kept talking about of conscious thinking as a very active state of mind that loses that alpha-theta rhythm, that deeper rhythm where all the action really is. And I'm translating a bit of what he said, but that's the way that goes And uh, there's a whole lot more to hear about that. And if you listen to our prior interviews, of which there are many, at www.abetterworld.tv and just go into the radio archive or actually just put in Bruce's name, Bruce Lipton, into the search engine and you will be deluged with some very rich, colorful, 
and fun interviews that we have done over the course of many years. And, of course, go and visit BruceLipton.com and his YouTube channel, and you'll just really get just doused with this kind of thinking. And we need to shift this thinking, and that's what this is all about, of bringing another level of awareness and attention and consciousness to the whole conversation. So I, too, want to thank you all for being with us both today on A Better World Radio. We so appreciate it. Remember, we are a 501c3. Your donations are always appreciated. If you do not yet get our newsletter, it's free. It comes out but once a week, and you can just go to abetterworld.tv and sign up for it right then and there. Also, you can watch our TV show through the website. Just click on the upper right-hand corner where it says click to watch when it's being aired in Manhattan, which is every Monday evening at 7 p.m., and you can tune in and hear what we're doing there on television as well. In the newsletter, I have a blog talking about blah, 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 this kind of thing, and uh, you can become much healthier, much happier, and much more meaningfully focused, purposeful in your daily life, which makes a whole big difference to the way we uh, handle ourselves and the sense of purpose just really, well, I remember the words of Werner Erhardt the founder of EST and the Forum and so much else. And he said that health was a function of participation. And I always really appreciated that phrase because it means that when we are involved in life, when we are driven, when we sense a purpose and a mission in our lives, everything becomes awake and time becomes a whole lot more meaningful And that's the way to play this game. My thought, my opinion, and I'd love to have you as part of a Better World family and community. Also remember, we have a series of services. I do coaching and counseling, couples counseling, family counseling, biofeedback, executive coaching as well. So get on the bandwagon. Come visit us again. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you, Bruce Lipton, for all of your incredible body of work for so long. And I thank you all. This is Mitchell J. Rabin. I look forward to seeing you all next week.